Welcome to Soccer 101. My name is Daryl Grove, and sitting across the table from me is Taylor Rockwell. Hello, Taylor Rockwell. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? I am great. I have a question for you and for me. Um, it is, what do the numbers mean? Uh-huh. People always ask in soccer, what do the numbers mean? Like Hurley on Lost or like Jim Carrey in that movie. People <laughs> want to know what the numbers mean. <laughs> Topical references to start today's show. It's a timeless show. I suppose. I feel like I still remember most of them, so I'll stick with you. Do you remember the number in the Jim Carrey movie that he was obsessed with? 23. 23, yeah. The answer was Michael Jordan. (laughs) Um, So today's show is going to address the thing that a lot of people um, want to know about soccer is when we talk about a number six, oh, he's a great number six, Mm -hmm. or, oh, look at that number eight go. Look at that number 10 creating. Look at that. He's a classic number nine scoring all those goals. People wonder, what are you talking about? I think you just did it right there really fast. That was the short version. So people just want to listen to the first minute of the show, I guess. And we're done. And we're done. Oh, no. We're going to go much deeper. We're going to explain what Mm. each of those roles um, actually uh, requires, what it means to be a number six, for example. And then later in the show, we're going to do um, a brief version of the etymology, he Mm -hmm. said, using a fancy word, like how that role is actually came to be known as the number six role. I dig it. I'm down for it. We're going to spend at least 45 minutes on the number 12, right? (laughs) Number 12 means you weren't quite good enough. There we go. (laughs) To get in the team. Actually, you raise a good point to start Mm. the show show is that now I think an important thing for people to remember especially if you're new to soccer is that the players don't actually wear these numbers for the most part not so much because soccer has gotten so big there are gigantic squads people wear numbers way beyond 11 numbers aren't available when you join a team so you will rarely I want to say rarely see these players with the actual number on their back I mean yeah you'll find like usually if it has like specific relevance to a team or a national team maybe maybe but I think the biggest thing is that a lot of this was formed around a time when you didn't have substitutions when Mm -hmm. you recycled the numbers every single game so you only had 1 through 11 to choose from so we're essentially describing positions Mm -hmm. rather than the player wearing the number exactly okay shall we start with the one I think that causes the most confusion maybe because it's the most referenced and the least understood okay the number Mm 6 what does it mean when we say number 6 kind of a variety of things but I think most traditionally it would be the most defensive of your midfielders yep I would look at it as the one who is kind of sitting in front of your back 3 back 4 what have you in front of your defense Yes, shielding that defense mm-hmm. is your number six. And maybe like behind the rest of the midfield. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why it's a position that is called out specifically, is that you are deeper than the rest of the midfield, yeah. but you're not a defender. That is like, that's the very basic definition. Mm-hmm. But I think you and I both agree, there's not just one type of number six, right? You can break it down into various... The, the number six describes the spot on the field, but it's what you do there that counts, right? You can be a destroyer, you can be a, mm-hmm. a regista, to yeah. use an Italian, I think, term, or you can be a pivot. Yes. So should we go through maybe what each one of those things is and maybe some examples of famous players who have performed the role? Sure. Uh, and I guess we can go in the order that you started. So maybe destroyer first. Yeah, destroyer. And I think that's probably the one that maybe most readily comes to mind when you think of a number six. Yeah. And I think the person who most embodies that yeah. in my who's, mind. Whose face are you seeing? It's Claude McAuley. Yes, Claude McAuley. So much so that in England this was just called the McAuley role. Yep. Before it was ever called a number six. Indeed, yes. <laughs> so that would be with Chelsea and mm-hmm. he did some destroying. So what, what, do you, uh, what do you mean by destroying? 
Yeah, so it's it's like you can have what, like what is he destroying? Is it buildings? Yeah, everything. You know, whatever <laughs> comes in his way, Hulk smash sort of situation. <laughs> no, it's more that I think he is the more like he again is like deepest, most defensive, but is the one who's going around making plays, making tackles, putting a foot in, winning that ball back. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of like the dynamic defensive performance, locking down the middle. Yeah, and like obviously good on the ball can you know. Sp- like uh, spring a pass, take a shot, but it's much more about winning that ball back yeah. and reestablishing possession. And I would say good on the ball in mm-hmm. terms of good enough to be a professional footballer. Yeah. But the classic thing with uh, a Makaleli style mm-hmm. number six destroyer is that really his job was to give the ball to someone else. Yep, right, pretty for, much for the most part. He he's great. He's got a touch. He can pass. Yeah. But often his job, like when he plays for France, it's to pass it to Zidane. <laughs> when he plays for Chelsea, it's to pass it to Lampard or or somebody else to get the play moving. Yeah, yeah. And I would almost think of like like their orientation. And for the destroyer, in my mind, they are much more defensively oriented. Yeah, yeah. it's about shielding that defense and kind of like putting out fires as yes. they pop up. And then you've got like other players who come in and rebuild after the fire is out. They rebuild possession <laughs> for you. We'll get to the those guys in a second because we got to talk more different number sixes more different number sixes uh-huh. all right so there's your makalele your destroyer number six uh the other um the fancier type uh-huh. of number six the number six that maybe holds a glass of wine as he wanders the field is the regista mm-hmm. the regista is essentially is it fancy because you're using an italian expression is yeah, that so, like yeah. naturally what makes it fancy <laughs> well, it's more that they don't have to do the dirty work right mm. so in terms of position, it's still ahead of the defense behind the rest of the midfield mm-hmm. but your job is not so much putting out fires it is creating beauty right it is the regista's job is to spray passes around the field to like pass and move and get things going so it's almost like you're in the same spot as the destroyer but your job is to create that'll make sense to me my one outstanding question for you then is why are we still calling this a regista and not just an andrea pirlo i actually that's he's the best example yeah easily andrea pirlo Mm -hmm. is the best example of a regista in my head he's kind of there's no one else touching him as the in terms of uh not being really tasked with doing anything else and just being fully uh, invested with the authority to create from deep. All right, I'm going to go like even more hipster because that's what the show's all about, I think. Uh, <laughs> when you think Andrea Pirlo as the regista, are you thinking him with Juve or him with Milan? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Italy. Okay, because that's the thing is like I think of not, him... Not so much NYCFC, although he was still trying, yeah. but I think his legs were going a bit. But I think of that like that later uh, Juve team where it was what, like him and Vidal and Pogba. Uh-huh. Like, I think of that as him really sitting deep and having all that cover that's mm-hmm. the one that really stands out to me as being that deep lying number six yep so yeah there you go your best example of the the deep lying playmaker yep. um, is Andrea Perlo the other um, sort of phrase that gets used for a number six mm-hmm. is again same position ahead of the defense behind the midfield the pivot yep you hear a lot about um, the pivot I want to say and I think it's hard to disagree the best example of this is Sergio Busquets he is. this is a player who he's not a full big on tackler right and he's not someone who's like hitting 50-yard balls all the time and that's all he does. It's a little bit in between. It's mm-hmm. about being aware, reading the game, maybe intercepting passes, but then hitting a really good pass or getting a move going uh, from that position. It's almost like the idea is the game flows through the pivot. Absolutely. Yeah? I, I would say another uh, very good example of this, uh, one of my personal favorites would be Chabi Alonso, does mm-hmm. a similar role. It, yeah, yeah. it is still shielding the back line. It is still winning the ball back on occasion, but it's much more about almost instead of having somebody else come in and restart, rebuild, restart like a counterattack, they're kind of launching that themselves. Yeah. They're capable of springing those passes and sitting back and conducting play from there. And you, but you're still in number six because yep. you're still in that spot. In fact, I would argue that now you have fewer destroyers, mm-hmm. just pure destroyers, because you need to be a bit 
better with the ball essentially because um, there's a bunch of yellow cards floating around VAR etc um, and you have fewer like registers you mostly have people who are in between yeah. players who are more like uh, pivots I'd say like yeah. Fernandinho is a, is a pivot yep. as an example Absolutely. Casemiro mm-hmm. there's a lot of these examples now yeah and I think yeah? that and I think that is indicative of the like preferred style of play nowadays where you can't have one person who's just going and making tackles and then everybody else clears up as a result. Yeah. You've got to have everybody capable of moving that ball, playing that ball, being smart on the ball. All right, so there's your number six. Again, later in the show, we'll explain why it got labeled with that number, but mm-hmm. hopefully you have a good understanding of what it is now. Let's move up the field a little bit, just a little bit. Just a little bit. To the number eight. Yep. The number eight, um, I think this is a confusing phrase because it's really... It describes energy to me. Mm. Number eight is a central midfielder who will go up and down and up and down all day long. Yep. They'll drive forward and join the attack. They'll come back and make a tackle. Um, I think some people call them the shuttlers, like mm-hmm. literally shuttling uh, back back and forth. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think that's my best description of a number eight is it's all about energy. And mine would be Jermaine Jones. That is my description yes, of number eight. He is, no, yeah, for American fans especially, <laughs> yeah. he is the best example. Mm-hmm. I mean, he used to get accused of... Oh, no, I don't of, use him as an example. I'm saying he is literally my definition of number eight. <laughs> number eight dash Jermaine Jones. Or just a photo if you want. He did used to get accused of uh, lacking positional discipline mm-hmm. by a lot of uh, US fans. We yeah. may even have said that mm-hmm. a few times. But I really think part of it is he was just always willing to do the running, always willing to do the work and influence the game wherever he felt it needed. Yeah, and with yeah? Jermaine Jones, I think there was also a little bit of maybe a lack of instruction from certain national team coaches <laughs> or a certain national team coach. So maybe he had to make up for that by running a lot. But uh, I, I think of Jermaine Jones as a more like recent American example of okay. that number eight doing that running. How about a non-American example? I would say it's Arturo Vidal. Arturo Vidal seems like the classic number eight, Yeah, right? any, any chance I get to talk about Arturo Vidal, I will use it because <laughs> I love that man. But he is one who I think of him as... Uh, all energy, physicality, yep. but technical ability, and a little bit of goal scoring thrown in there too. Mm-hmm. And I think the key to a number eight, like Vidal, mm-hmm. is when you watch a game with him in it, you expect, maybe not now, but in his peak, right? Yeah. You expect, if you see his Chilean team attacking, you expect Vidal to be involved. Yeah. If you see a Chilean team defending, you expect Vidal to be involved. Exactly. If that's... there's a midfield battle, you expect him right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why that's why the like, traditional definition of a number eight is box-to-box, because if you see yes. Arthur Vidal in his defensive box, that makes sense. If you see like maybe Andrea Pirlo or Claude Makaleli in the opposition 18, you're yeah. like, ooh, that's ooh. not expected. Do you have a nosebleed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you wouldn't be surprised to see Arthur Vidal there. The box-to-box aspect holds true. Okay, so there you go. Uh, that's, that's your box-to-box midfielders sort I believe mm-hmm. that's your number eight described yep. before we talk number 10 and number nine um, and maybe why these numbers even exist in the first place sure. to describe these roles today's soccer 101 is sponsored by postmates thank you to postmates for sponsoring today's show mm-hmm. when you need red wine at 4 p.m or an explainer of numbers at 8 p.m i guess you could just listen <laughs> to this episode for that one but for anything else delivered to your home you can use postmates i think this episode goes nicely with a, a glass of red wine yeah, I think so, right? <laughs> Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery, wine delivery service, mm-hmm. all year round, 365 days a year, 366 if it's a leap year, 24 hours a day. Yes, we're recording this uh, July of 2019, in case you're listening to this like 15 years from now, in which case, world's still around, so that's good. Uh, but we are, with that might, in mind. Based on today's temperature, it might have melted. There, yeah. Uh, slightly hot outside, which is to say that Daryl walked across the street and came back in sweating. Uh, <laughs> so if you don't want to have to walk across the street, let alone like drive all the way to the grocery store, Postmates can deliver all of those items to your home, or you can just get individual meals delivered and then you don't even have to do any cooking. It would take some gore to have Postmates deliver from across the street, though. 
I mean, it would. <laughs> I don't think that's a good I'm not use. opposed. That's not a great use of Postmates. I would, no. I would go for something that's at least um, a short walk. I don't know. I mean, it could be real hot out there, and maybe we just want to avoid the sun at all costs. Okay, next time I'm doing that, though, I'm going to get Postmates to deliver I mean, it across the street. There are those summers that we spend, like, every day in the studio. We don't see much sunlight. We get a little yeah. bit pasty, and then, you know, you go outside for 10 minutes. Maybe suddenly you turn bright pink. We don't want to get burnt now. You don't want to get burnt. The great thing about Postmates is when you open up the app, mm-hmm. you really can search for yep. anything. Right, You can type in burritos or you could type in a store you want or a, re- a specific local restaurant that might be your favorite. Mm-hmm. Here in Richmond, I'd be putting in eight and a half. I think that's a fair thing to put yeah. in. Uh, would you put in eight and a half or would you put in, in eight two one? Oh, I also like eight two one cafe. <laughs> it's very yeah. confusing to me. I'd have both of those. Things. I make that mistake. Every single time. Uh, yes, yeah, so, but you could have those delivered, and when they're delivered, you could then uh, track the delivery in real time, which is yeah. always fun. It feels like a weird video game that you're not controlling, but you're a part of. Yeah, but it's good to know that it's on the way, yes. right? You can see where it is and how soon you'll be putting your face in it. You can indeed. <laughs> and for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free Ooh. delivery uh, for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code SOCCER. So you download the app, and the code is SOCCER for mm-hmm. $100 of free delivery credit mm-hmm. for your first seven days anything you need anytime you need it postmate it download the, po- download the postmates app and save with code soccer thank you very much to postmates for sponsoring this episode of soccer 101 now we've done six we've done eight i feel like that leads us logically to not uh seven or nine but ten let's go to number ten and i've just realized before we describe number ten uh-huh. um what we've ended up doing is describing three different types of central midfielder mm-hmm. right and it's almost like these are the numbers that people most ask about because midfield is the most complicated position on the field. 100% it yeah? is. Yes. It's got, because you can like, number two is often a right back. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? The whole show would be 10 seconds. Number two is often a right back. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's just different variations of what a central midfielder is. Exactly. Six, eight, and 10. Yeah. And with, which is not to say that like right back doesn't have its own positional nuances. Oh, it it's, does. We'll it's, probably end up doing that show. Yeah. It's simply just that you have a boundary on one side of you. So mm-hmm. it like, whereas a central midfielder, you're in the middle of the field, you've got to kind of see everything that's happening. With a right right sided player, you can kind of go to the touchline. Then you can see the whole field. <laughs> like you've kind of got part of it eliminated keep, for you naturally. Keep going if you want, but you're getting trouble. <laughs> All right. So the number ten. Yeah. I'm going to say the number ten is the most hallowed shirt in soccer, and the reason for this is this is the playmaker. Yep. This is the player whose job it is to create, to unlock the opposition defense, to open things up and make things happen. Um, I would say that it's, it's almost like you're anointed to do this, and you're often Maybe not so much now, but you're to some extent um, absolved of defensive responsibilities. But that comes with even more pressure because yep. your job then becomes so important. And your team, your team's performance can live or die on your performance. Yeah. That's it, the number 10 shirt. That's why it's the most popular shirt. It, yeah. Players will fight over it. Exactly. Because if you're, if you're basically told you don't need to worry about these three things, then it means you better worry about everything else that much more because yeah. that's what your responsibility now is. I would argue the job of the number 10 mm-hmm. is when you get the ball, the other team better be going, oh no. Yep. That's about right. It's that player. Yeah. Oh, no. The other team should tense up when you get the ball. That's what the number 10 is. Am, no, I, maybe, wait, am I being too hyperbolic here? Uh, maybe. Um, honestly, maybe a little bit because <laughs> the implication then is that only like like the most talented of all the players in the world can like have that shirt, yeah. can have that honor. And it is true that a lot of the people that you think of as the greatest players in the world are usually around a number 10. Mm-hmm. But I think it can just be that if you have the vision and awareness, you might be the best person f- to fit in as a number 10 for your local amateur yeah. team. I would also interesting, yeah. Um, I would also say that um, though we're describing positions with mm-hmm. the six and roles with the six and the eight, the ten kind of describes 
not so much a position on the field. Or it could be central attacking midfielder, right? Yep. It more describes your role within the team, Agreed. your role of importance. Because I'm going to give you my weird first example of a modern number 10, Lionel Messi, yep. right? Whatever team he's on, Barcelona or Argentina, um, he's often playing essentially right wing. Mm-hmm. And yet everything goes through him, right? Yes. Neymar, when he plays for Brazil, plays on the left wing. Mm-hmm. Everything goes through him. So maybe I've accidentally stumbled on the best phrase is that the role of the number 10 is that everything goes through you. And I think that's why, to use your word, hallowed is a great word for what a number 10 should be. It's, it is the person who has that importance, kind of regardless of where they are on the field, mm-hmm. uh, that they are going to be that person that everybody looks to to conduct the attack and make things happen. Yeah. I would say, though, historically, and for purposes of maybe this conversation, it's easier to think of a number 10 as a more central creative yeah. playmaker. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. And yeah. so with that in mind, I would say the one that I think everybody points to is Juan Roman Raquel May. Oh, really? That seems like the one that oh, I feel like everybody says he is the number 10. Because he was the guy that was given the most liberty to not do anything else. Yes. Right? And with I w- Villarreal and Argentina. And I would yeah. say he is the one like that everybody, everybody points to. And I think that if you're in a room full of like the people that we've done the show, like uh, the Total Soccer Show with historically, uh, would all be like, oh, yeah, Juan Roman Verkelma, yeah, 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 he's the best, he's the best. And yeah. then sort of once you dug a little bit deeper, we would all be like, I, I don't have much to say about Juan Roman Verkelma <laughs> because I think we tend to think of more modern players, at least in my yeah, mind. Yeah. Like Messi and Neymar playing yeah. the wings. Yeah. And I would say maybe somewhere in between would be Zinedine Zidane. Yes. That, to me, is the number 10. The number 10. Mm. For me, the number 10 is Diego Maradona. Well, that would be the other one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's telling that we're getting to some of the most famous yeah. names in soccer. Mm-hmm. Like, with all due respect to Kyle McAuley, um he might not be remembered 200 years from now, yeah. whereas, say, Diego Maradona might. F- maybe not for good reasons. But yeah, there's that. <laughs> but these are the most memorable players. These are the guys that always show up in the highlights. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Um, and, I mean, this is maybe one where we should maybe list a couple more players. Sure. Anyone that you are you really want to point to as a number I mean, 10? I had Raquel May, I had Zidane, I had Maradona. The other one uh, from my... Like, youth would be Roberto Baggio uh, for it's Italy. Baggio. Yeah, I think of him as that, that creative player sitting a little bit back behind that front line, but still very much capable of threading, threading the needle for a through ball, but scoring uh-huh. a goal from distance as well. And how about this? There's often a conversation in the United States and having of... A s- Super good mullet. Having a super good mullet. Yeah. Um, there's often a conversation in the United States of, oh, we don't have enough number 10s, mm-hmm. right? And you're, you're kind of describing a situation where it means we don't have enough playmakers. That's what that means. And that, that's the one thing that terrifies me about American soccer is thinking that that might be true. All right. But here's the optimistic way to look at it is that th- this show and the other shows we're going to be doing for Soccer 101 are evergreen, right? Mm-hmm. That's the idea. So maybe years from now, people will be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. This is obviously <laughs> the number 10. We have so many of them. This Andrew isn't a Carlton problem. just won his third. Ballon d'Or. <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, so we move on to the final number we're going to focus on. It's the number nine. It is. It's and the center forward. It's the goal scorer. And I would say you said uh, number 10 was the most hallowed. I would say the number nine shirt is maybe the most desired by soccer players. Oh, that's interesting. I would have said the 10 was the most desired. I would say number nine is the most desired amongst youth soccer players I because see. it means you get to stand up front and score the goals. It means goal scorer, yep. right? That mm-hmm. is absolutely what it means. Yep. What else does it mean? That's pretty much it. Nothing else. I mean, that's the headline, right? I mean, it is. There are a variety of different types of number nines, I would say. But generally speaking, yeah, it is that the – it can be the target player. It can be the poacher. It can be your lethal striker. It can be the person who drops in. But either way, it is that person who you look at and think, similar to the number 10, oh, no, that person's got the ball. Mm -hmm. If you're the opposition, you're thinking, oh, no, that person's going to score. Yeah, oh, no, that person's got the ball in the box. Yep. (laughs) Um, So some quick examples. I would argue Harry Kane. 
uh, Robert Lewandowski. Of course, you would argue Harry Kane, Romelu Lukaku. Uh-huh. But, but I'm, I mean, I'm just giving you some good number nines. Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say for me the the original Ronaldo, uh, uh, phenomenal yeah. uh, R- Ronaldo number nine. He for me is uh, that number nine. Yeah, he's definitely in his early days was a guy that everybody would clench as he as uh, he ran at them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, how about the false nine? Mm-hmm. People will want to be hearing um, about the false nine. I feel like this is a thing that isn't as big, isn't as common as people think it is, but it's uh, the phrase confuses people enough that it's worth explaining. I thought it was just when you put it like a, a negative next to the nine, so then your negative nine, you're like a fake nine. Well, you're not entirely, <laughs> you're not entirely wrong. All right. The example of a false nine is if you think of the position of a nine, mm-hmm. it is the centre forward, the central striker who will be right up against the opposition defenders, ready to go, ready to score some goals. Um, there have been incidences. I want to say it was the 2010 World Cup and Spain. Uh, I think through injuries to other strikers, put Cesc Fabregas midfielder essentially Mm -hmm. in the centre-forward role. But then because he's not really a nine in the classic sense, he would then drift deep. And to to play with a false nine essentially means to play with no striker. That's the very basic, easy definition of a false nine. Yeah, Yeah. which means, uh, and that can, again, as you said, be for a variety of reasons. To confuse the opposition or because all your strikers are injured. Yeah, or both, because (laughs) it does do that then. If if you are a centre-back who is used to marking that target number nine, who's like standing up against you in the back line, and suddenly that person is running into midfield, there might be that inclination to, oh, I better follow that person and make sure they're marked. Should I stay or should I go, Exactly. It's the the classic conundrum. Mm -hmm. The the clash. I think they were talking about false nines when they wrote that song. All of the clash played centre-back. Of course. (laughs) Against Cesc Fabregas. Joe Joe Strummer, known for his defensive abilities. Yep. (laughs) Okay, so we've described the six, the eight, the nine, and the ten. Yep. It is true that other positions are available available, um, and have numbers that describe them, right? Mm -hmm. You could say that the number seven basically means right wing, say David Beckham. Number 11 basically means left wing, uh, say Ryan Giggs, with a very Manchester United um, example. I'm okay with that. I want to get briefly into the idea of why this is. How did specific numbers come to define specific roles when those players don't actually wear those numbers mm-hmm. now? And I feel like – I know this isn't the case, but I'm going to make it the case and say I feel like that's only because you know it starts with the English. <laughs> <laughs> well, like much of football, uh-huh. it starts with the British. Let's yes. give the Scottish their due and their involvement. My apologies. Um, in this. So, yes, the so obviously football um, originates in Britain and is then exported around the mm-hmm. globe. When it's exported – this is what, late 19th, early 20th century – as it's exported around the globe – it's exported and, descri- and introduced to people as there's this game, association football, and the formation you play is 2 3 5. Mm-hmm. Literally, two defenders, three midfielders, five attackers. Yes. Um, and so the numbering system, when it, when it was like this, went f- essentially from back to front, right to left. Mm-hmm. So number one's your goalkeeper, two and three were your defenders, four, five, six, your three midfielders, and then right to left, seven, eight, nine in the middle, mm-hmm. and that's where that stayed, 10, 11 yep. on the left, and that's where that's stayed. Mm-hmm. And essentially what has happened is over time, various countries, various nations have <laughs> deviated from the two, three, five. A little you bit. You certainly don't see it very often anymore. Um, I feel uh, like Pep has played it on more than one occasion, but outside <laughs> of that, yeah. yeah. Um, and moved players backwards, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, um, the reason we talk about the number six as the defensive midfielder is numbers four and five in midfield would come back mm-hmm. and be what we now think of as centre-backs. Two and three go wide and be full-backs. Number six stays in the middle. Yes. At least in some countries. Yeah, but I also like I, – I enjoy learning about these types of things because it also gives you a better insight into the terminology as well of why mm-hmm. we would call a right and left back – they're occasionally called full-backs. The mm-hmm. reason why is because – 
their original position was full back. All the way they back. They didn't go forward. Yes. They were staying yeah. back. And then you've got halfbacks who occasionally would go sometimes forward. There we go. Yeah. Um, so here's an interesting thing. So from the three original midfield positions, mm-hmm. uh, four, five, six, different countries actually went with different numbers to be that holding midfielder. Yeah. We say number six in the United States, but from my research, that actually comes through like Germany and France. Mm-hmm. And the only evidence I can really give you, uh, simple evidence of this, is Sami Kadera wears number six for Germany, and Claude Makaleli always wore number six for France, mm-hmm. right? Um, but if you go look at England, it's actually number four ends up being the guy that stays. In Brazil, number five is the guy that stays in midfield. So it's different in every country because... Yeah. People didn't go back and check with the British people that brought the game over and said, oh, we're going to move this guy back. Is it okay if we give him this number instead? Yeah. They just did it. Well, so it, things changed throughout the world. It's, it's also the case that you know we're, th- we're talking about, as you said, like, like 1930s thereabout. Like you don't have nearly as much connectivity, obviously, as you do to, mm-hmm. to this day. So then even if I – you know, it's why we have different accents in different countries. It's because once you, you send a thing to another place, it's going to evolve in that place on yes. its own. So then it's going to grow and change as it does. And then when it interacts with other teams uh-huh. – uh, it can be hugely problematic if suddenly you have <laughs> never seen what that team is suddenly doing. Uh, my favorite thing is that because they're the, the two extreme poles, mm-hmm. number one, the goalkeeper, and number nine, the center forward, yep. never changed. Nope. Because you can't really move the two extremes. Not so much. Yeah? I think you... Cesc Fabregas tried, but didn't catch up. I think it was like Argentina <laughs> and maybe the Dutch uh, experimented with just doing numbers based on alphabetical order. So yes, you would I have uh, various people. I forget FIFA were not thrilled, right? No, they were not. But yeah, so you would have like your outfield players wearing number one. Uh-huh. It was a little strange. <laughs> There's also um, a couple of weird ones I found um, in Brazil. The left back is number six, mm-hmm. right? And the, the holding midfielder that we talked about at the top of the show is actually the number five. So, and they call it, um, oh, it, it means the steering wheel. Volante, I think. The, the steering wheel is the number five. Of course. And, that, cause, and it was just a case of when they went to a back four, they moved the number six to left back. Yeah. Just because. And that's why Roberto Carlos always wore number six. I like it. Yeah. See, you learn new things. I would say my favorite thing learning about this, do you have more? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, I don't want to get on a big list. (laughs) I was just going to say, I really enjoy thinking about like the origin of the numbers just in the sense of why would you put numbers on the back of a shirt? Because for me growing up, that was just, they were there, you were number whatever. Mm -hmm. It was a way to identify you so that the referee, if they needed to have a word with you or write down if you'd scored or book you, whatever, they knew your number. It was a way to easily identify players. Mm -hmm. It kind of never occurred to me until we started doing this research that uh, I think it was Herbert Chapman was the first one to have his players wear numbers on the back of their shirts for Arsenal against Sheffield Wednesday Mm -hmm. in 1928 is what my research uh, has right here. That the idea was it was shorthand. It really was shorthand for you're the number seven, you go play wide. So yeah. instead of having to say you're the wide left, you're the wide right and do all that, you could just give them the number yeah. and the number signified where they needed to be on the field. And I read stories of wingers in the old two, three, five mm-hmm. uh, and slightly beyond days of if they played on the right, they would wear number seven. If the next game they played on the left, they would have to wear yeah. the number 11 instead. It was a lot more locked in and formal. And I think there was no official rule, but it was just an established mm-hmm. tradition that if you play on the right, you wear number seven. And, right? and that's the case. Like We have this idea of George, B- George Bass as a number seven. There's plenty of photos of him wearing number 11. Yeah, because Again, he switches wings, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, because it came down to it's what you got on the match day, not necessarily what your number was throughout the years. That's more of a modern contrivance for, I would say, primarily sponsorship reasons. <laughs> that that way everybody knows, oh, this guy wears number 11. I need to get the new number 11 jersey when he moves well, to a new club. It's for registration reasons as sure, well, sure, right? Sure. The league demands sure, sure, that. Sure. Oh, you big conspiracy <laughs> theorist. <laughs> that feels like a good point to end this episode of Soccer 101. I feel like we've done a good job explaining the various numbers and how they got 
there. Hopefully the folks at home feel the same. Still can't explain that Jim Carrey movie. Um, and Hurley's numbers, I guess there was no answer in the end. 4, 8, 15, something, 16, numbers? 23, 42, I think it is, yeah. Wow. I, I feel like that's what it might be. <laughs> Daryl can, can attest I have not looked at my phone or a computer since we started recording. <laughs> well, if you've enjoyed this episode of Soccer 101, mm-hmm. subscribe to Soccer 101 in iTunes or however else you listen. Please leave us a review or a rating. Subscribe, review, and rate. Those are the three magic words. Um, and if you don't know we also do another show we do the total soccer show which is a lot more newsy and reviews of games that just happened you can find that wherever you found this podcast total soccer show will also be there all of that checks out and if you'd like to check out more episodes of soccer 101 please feel free to scroll through the feed listen to any episode you want we hope there's a bit of knowledge and entertainment um, buried in every episode audio solid gold audio solid cold. All right, I've been Daryl Grove. I've been Taylor Rockwell. It's goodbye for now.